Yo, 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 yo. Rev Young Yates. Come see real quick. We've been gone a while. We missed you guys. So coming back at you with season two. And we got a lot in store for you. Me and Miss Cam Nicole. I'll give her a moment to introduce herself. Hello, everyone. We missed you guys, but we are back in full force. This is Camry Butler, a.k.a. Miss Cam Nicole. All right, and we're back with a new kickoff. We've got a lot of things in store. I'm going to focus on relationships. It, it touched a good nerve, not a bad one, but a good nerve on last season. And I think it's something that we uh, both agreed upon that it's needed to expound upon and give some uh, further information to. So we're going to focus on relationships this season. We'll kick it off today talking about sisterhood. Yes, I think this is such an important and vital topic um, because, I mean, I'm sure as you can attest to, both of us are very active on social media. Um, we see a lot of posts regarding romantic relationships. You know, we're both millennials, so talking in our language is like, I need a vacation. And where is Bay? Like all of these things that are so engrossed in um, romantic relationships and needing a partner. And then like society is really just structured. Um, on romantic relationships. I went and got my eyebrows done yesterday and the lady was like, are you married? Do you have a boyfriend? Like just all of these things that, especially as single women, we are, there's so much pressure on, especially the older you get, you need to have a partner. And so I think this emphasis that we're putting on like today specifically on sisterhood, on friendship. Um, and I'm not saying that partnership isn't important because it is, you know, we want to be married and have families and all of that stuff. God said it was good, you know, be fruitful and multiply. Yeah. However, we want to um, also foster healthy, healthy friendships, you know, to lean into that accountability. Friends are people who we get to do life with as well. We travel with, they cry with us, they laugh with us. Um, and they're also able to hold us accountable. And so I think that this conversation um, is really important. And also like, how do we do it? I, I don't think that a lot of times we're taught how to do partnerships, maybe like, you know, they have single conferences, but it's like, how do I do friendships well? So I think that this is an, an, an important conversation to have. I think you are so, so spot on. You know, uh, when you were speaking uh, and then I ended with the question, you, you put me in the mindset. Uh, I guess it could be attributed to patriarchy. But mm -hmm. then on the other hand, I think it's just basically maybe not having enough models uh, of how to do this. Mm -hmm. Because in the past, it was almost as if your worth was equated to if you had a significant other. Mm -hmm. or if you had children, Mother's Day is approaching, and or if you had children or things like that. But, you know, as you've already uh, alluded to, I think it's very valuable resources found uh, in women uh, of like-mindedness coming together. And we'll talk about brotherhood too next week, but I think you can find a solace right there amongst your situation without having to look for external validation. And sometimes your internal intuition will point you to people believe it or not who may look like you uh, who may be the same sex and i think you know with such uh, a transitioning taking place with uh sex gender uh, and the roles per se mm -hmm. i wonder even if it's even comfortable to have close relationships with the same sex uh, anymore for, for yeah. some people mm -hmm. yeah i think you know like you said like-minded right and i think that is so important as well having people who are on the same path as you. And I'm, again, not 
you know, I don't want to uh, make it seem like you can't have friends who are also, or who may not be on the same path as you, because I think that there is, that we have a certain level of influence over people, right? right. Um, but I think that it is important to have like-minded individuals who share your faith, um, who can pray with you, who have the same maybe um, career goals, family goals as you, that you guys are able to relate on in that aspect. Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. And I think, you know, I, I think without that, you can't develop your own sense of self and it may lead you to go out and look for it. But I think mm -hmm. those individuals' uh, attributes, amongst many others, are, are helpful. Uh, and not just helpful, but most of the time they're needed to the point as they serve as life-saving life measures uh, for some people. Mm -hmm. uh, to find that, uh, that one that they can put their uh, hope in, they can confide in. And like you said, it's not always going to be people like-minded because you will get some opposing mindset, but somewhere along the lines uh, through conversation and communication, you'll find out even though you may have varying perspectives that you're kindred spirits. Yeah. So since we're speaking of characteristics, tell me, what do you think some of the, what do you think the DNA of a good friend is? Uh Someone that can depend on me mm -hmm. and someone that I can depend on as well. Mm -hmm. I think some reciprocity needs to be present in order for me to call a person a friend. And I think we, I'm glad that's a great question because I think we throw that word around so loosely. Mm -hmm. uh, but the DNA of a friend should, I, I, I think it should be reciprocal care. You know, mm -hmm. I, can, I can count on them and they can count on me. Absolutely. And I think what you said was we throw that word around too loosely and, and I'm going to kind of go off a little bit and then I'm come right back. There are levels to friendship, right? Mm -hmm. And I think sometimes we put a lot of expectations on one person and we want one person to be everything to us and meet all of our needs, right? Mm -hmm. This is a person I call every day. I want her to go to the mall with me. I want you to kind of bear the burden of all of my problems let's vacation together and that's a lot of burden and expectations like on one person and so I think it's important to have levels to friendship right, right. and give a person um, the opportunity to earn spaces in your life right this person right now may be an associate this person right now uh, maybe a friend and then we like best friends but I think that that was that kind of just triggered that thought when you said um, we kind of throw that word around loosely but I definitely love the idea of reciprocity um, I think also trustworthiness right being able to um, trust that person right if I if I tell you something are yeah. you going to pick up the phone and call someone else or yeah. can I trust that what I say ends when we hang up the phone yes. um, and just kind of going back to some of our other podcasts it's like a lot of times that is why people kind of shut off and don't want to let people into their lives they have this wall up you know a lot of times when I think about this way that we were on years ago it's like no new friends right like exactly. I don't want any new friends or I don't need friends and it's like do you not need friends or is it that you don't want friends or is it that you've been hurt to the point where you have isolated yourself and put up these walls? You really do want friends, but you're scared because you've been hurt so much. 
Um, and so give they, a person needs to be trustworthy. Um, I think accepting you as you are, but not letting you stay there, right? Not letting you remain stuck. Um, I'm, I'm, when we meet, I'm going to, I'm going to love you as you are. I'm going to accept you there. But I think as a friend, we also have a responsibility to, to tell you, right. To nudge you, to give you that push that you need. Like, I love you and I see you, but you're stuck right here. Right. I, I can't let you, I can't see you about to walk into a burning house and I don't tell you the house is on fire. Right. I have a responsibility to tell you that you're walking into danger now if you continue to do it, right? At some point, I have to back off. I think we have a responsibility to tell our friends. Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think, I mean, I, I think when you spoke to the expectations and having them clearly defined, it, it, it covers a world of gray areas and things that would perhaps slip through the cracks. And so what you just highlighted with accountability, you know, in this stage of, uh, you know, the years we had no new friends, I can get with that mindset if my friends are not just giving me what I want, but mm -hmm. what I need to, not just encouraging me, but holding me accountable as well. Mm -hmm. But if, if I'm not, and you already spoke to, you know, they help you to get unstuck in moments as such. But if my friends that I have are not doing that, and I have this mindset from hurt, or past trauma that I don't want any new friends, then I'm I'm already stuck. But it's almost like I'm developing the mindset that being stuck is okay, stagnation, mm -hmm. if you will. And don't get mm -hmm. me wrong, I, I firmly believe that it's okay to not be okay. However, I don't believe that you should stay that way because it's it's so many spaces and areas. Friendship is one uh, where you can find uh, another way because sometimes mm -hmm. things may be an obstacle sometimes the road may be closed but they do offer a detour and so not just what i want but what i need to not just giving me my way but holding me accountable to help me to understand that you know maybe i do need to shift some things maybe i do need to look at the other way or the other options because the reality is we're not always doing what we need to do and you know i, I share with people often if you if everyone in your circle agrees with you you need to change your circle because somebody's lying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you highlighted something so important saying, you know, it's okay to not be okay. Right. And your friendship circle should be the place where it's okay not to be okay. Yes. Your friends should cover you. Right. This shouldn't be the place where your wounds get exposed. We're exactly. going to, as your friends, we're going to cover you. But this is a space where we're also holding you accountable and we're going to be patient with you. Right. We're not beating you over the head with anything. We're covering you and at the same time holding you accountable saying, it's all right, it's okay, we're going to wipe your tears. But at some point, you know, it may be months down the road, but we're saying, okay, come on, let's let's move forward. What do you need? How can we support you in this? What do you need from us, right? So there's space for both, right? Your friendship circle, your sisterhood circle is the space for both. It's the space for for love and accountability. It's the space for patience and for us to push you forward, right? And that is why this conversation is so important because a lot of people don't have this sisterhood circle. They feel isolated or, you know, going back to just so engrossed into the romantic partnership, we need sisterhood circles because this is what it provides, love and accountability, right? Patience and I'm, I'm gonna push you forward. This is, this is the type of thing that 
it provides. I totally concur because, you know, if I'm looking for love and validation in a man, or if I'm a man looking for it in a woman, but if I'm, if I'm looking for love and validation in the opposite sex, if that goes wrong, mm -hmm. who's my, my circle to fall back on? Mm -hmm. Who's my covering it? And, you know, as you just highlighted, that's where that sisterhood comes in. That's where that friend group comes in. Because if I, if I don't have anything to fall back on, you know, God's going to be there, of course. But as human beings, we're prone to error, so we don't always listen to God, just like we don't always listen to our parents. Mm -hmm. But if I don't have a support group uh, to care, care for me and to hold me accountable as well through that particular instance, I might just keep repeating the same behavior. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Because, and, 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 and if you're going through something with a partner, and like you said, you have nothing to fall back on, there's, again, this thing of isolation. Uh, I remember a friend was going through something with a guy, and she was actively dating him, but it was new. And she came to me and said, I need to run something by you. Like, I need your eyes. I need, I need you to hear it objectively right. and tell me, what you hear when I say this, right? And that is important because when we're in a new dating relationship, we're on this, literally, it's, um, we relate it to like a high, right? Because you are so blinded by love, yeah. by all of these new hormones going on that you can't really see clearly and you need outside friends, outside eyes to tell you, mm, this is what I see. Um, and so, again, just reinforcing the importance of your friends, your sisters. Most definitely, most, most definitely. And so, you know, what, uh, from your perspective, what does a good sisterhood look like to you, be it a couple or a group? What, what are the attributes and characteristics of that? I think going back to right? That trustworthiness, right? Going back to, they have to be supportive, that reciprocity. Um, they listen, right? Sometimes we don't always want the feedback. And I think that that's one of the hardest things for us to do, especially when it is a friend, right? When it is a sister, when I have that love for you, it's hard for me to listen and not give you feedback. Again, going back to the analogy I said earlier, it's hard for me to watch you walk in a burning house and not tell you. Right. But sometimes our friends just want to vent. They want a listening ear. And so sometimes a lot of what I tell my clients is like, ask, right? There's nothing wrong with asking. Am I listening, right? Are you wanting feedback? Like, what is it that you're needing from me in this moment? If you just want me to listen, as hard as it is, I will bite my tongue and I won't say anything, yeah. <laughs> right? Um, but if it is feedback that you're needing from me, I will give you that. Um, and so being, being that listening ear that they need from you um, and just offering that reciprocity, but also I think kind of segueing into we have to be able to communicate our needs and our expectations, our boundaries and friendships and letting that be okay, right? I think going back to previous Going back to previous podcasts, I think we haven't always been taught and modeled how to do relationships well, like skillfully, right? right. And, and it is a skill, like relationships, be it romantic or platonic, relationships are a skill and you have to learn how to do it. And sometimes when someone sets a boundary with us or they give us an expectation, 
we kind of come, we get a little bit offended. Like our feelings get hurt, right? But it's not, someone setting a boundary with us is not, um, it's not to offend us, right? It's to protect them and to protect us. You know, them saying, don't, please don't call me after 9 p.m. Or, you know, I go to bed at 9 p.m. Can you call me before then? That is them saying, hey, I need my rest. I want to talk to you, but I need my rest. So can you call me before then? But I think being able to accept people's expectations and boundaries, and we have to communicate those in order for the relationships to go well. Yeah, you know, I, I believe uh, enforcing expectations and boundaries and not just saying them, but sticking with them, mm-hmm. it, it prevents from making others' emergency your emergency mm-hmm. because in that in that moment you know it, it's not necessarily operating as a sisterhood or a friendship because in that moment we become more reactionary and so it seems that everything we do is reacting to something else as opposed to building on a foundation uh, and so yeah I, 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 I'm firm uh, in that belief about boundaries and expectations and you know sometimes because we have not seen it modeled before, or we may not have learned that skill, we may think that this is the only way. You know, I, I read a story uh, not too long ago in this book, Helping People Change. Uh, talks about a group of sisters and a mother, and usually your first friends or family members. Mm-hmm. Uh, they all were soccer stars, and the youngest sister uh, was the last one in the group, and she played soccer, and just like everybody else, she was a star. The coach noticed she didn't like the sport, uh, love it like the others. And, she, and he asked her, you know, why do you play? He said, I'm good at it, you know, and everybody in my family plays soccer. Then he asked her about her, her particular interest and the things that she loved, only to discover uh, that it wasn't soccer. And, and sometimes, you know, the implication comes because we may be good at a thing or we may have been down like four flats with somebody for X amount of years, <laughs> that this is just what we're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, it should be a give and take relationship. You mm-hmm. know? Is that person listening and looking towards my needs just as much they expect me to listen and look toward their needs? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, because like I said, our first friends are family members and we usually branch away from them and get other friends, uh, but we don't lose them as family members. But when it's not family, uh, we may struggle on how uh, to know when this particular expectation is not being met to the point where maybe it's a time for a change, or maybe uh, it's time for us to do something new. And even more, not just knowing it, we may not think it's okay. Because again, what we saw modeled before us is loyalty. And sometimes you can be loyal to a fault. Absolutely. This is so perfect, right? And it goes right into communicating expectations and boundaries like what do we do when the season changes we've been down like four flat tires since we were in junior high but now that we're in our late 20s 30s the season has changed literally maybe we're in a long-term relationship maybe we're married we have children now maybe we have demanding jobs we're a director a vp a pastor like there are so many things and responsibilities and hats that we wear the seasons change. We don't, we can't just get up and go, you know, and hang out all night. We can't stay on the phone all night anymore. You know, we can't just get up and say, oh, we're going on a weekend trip now. And that makes things difficult. 
And we have to give ourselves the per- permission to say, you know, this worked when we were 21. You know, we could just do whatever we wanted to call whenever. But now that we're 31, let's reestablish some boundaries and expectations in this relationship. I can't call every day, right? Maybe we only talk once a week. Maybe we talk once every two weeks. You know, now we have to schedule our vacations, right? And so having to do that, it's difficult because, again, not wanting to offend the person if I tell her this, you know, and it's it's even especially different when your season's changed and hers hasn't, (laughs) right? Because it's like, you're kind of in the same place and I'm not. And so if I tell you this, I don't want to offend you. I don't want to come across as, oh, she thinks she's all that now or or you change. And it's like, yes, I have. And I own that I have changed. And so because I've changed and my life has changed, this relationship has, has to change. Uh, and you don't want to offend, but we have to give ourselves permission to readjust our relationship because life has changed. And that is really difficult. And I want to honor how difficult that is. Um, and we, again, haven't been taught how to have these really difficult conversations. And going back to other podcasts, everything always ties back, right? We weren't giving permission to use our voices, right? As kids, especially in our community, it's be seen and not heard. And I and I, I don't think people understand the message that that sends. It's don't use your voice. What you have to say is not important. And so as we get older and we become adults, those messages stick with us. And it's like, oh, I'm not going to say anything, right? I'm just going to be quiet. Right. And our voice becomes silent and we don't have permission to say exactly what we feel, we become silent in a lot of our relationships. This is so powerful. And, you know, uh, <laughs> because that silence breeds a living in my head. And it's kind of hard for me to understand or even honor those expectations if uh, you're unwilling to share them. And I, and I think, you know, because you kind of hinted at it earlier uh, with the No New Friends, I think with the societal focus on this cancel culture, Mm-hmm. I, I don't I don't think that not just others, but I don't even think that we give ourselves space to air, mess up, or grieve because as the relationship or friendship is changing, as the sisterhood is changing, it's usually based, as you've already aforementioned, on the fact that there are personal changes taking place within one or, or, or both of us. Mm-hmm. And, and so... I have to first acknowledge, you know, that maybe I'm going to have to grieve what used to be. I can't can't hang out all night no more if I got mm-hmm. two kids. I can't I can't leave at the drop of the dime for vacation if I got a demanding career. You know, these things are not necessarily bad things. They're just new. Mm-hmm. And we have to be committed to not just navigating through our uh, personal relationships, but just navigating through our person, uh, you know, What's causing me to be silent or retreat or be a recluse? What's causing mm-hmm. me? Uh, is it the friendship is going sour? Because that very well could be the case. Mm-hmm. Or is it I need to readjust my expectations or mm-hmm. need to be more willing to be lenient uh, on the expectations of my friends? And then mm-hmm. they introduce the idea that maybe I do have space for new friends. Mm-hmm. You're going to make me go somewhere else. <laughs> because what? Because whether you say it or not, you're being silent. And so there's going to be a conflict somewhere. Either there's going to be an external conflict and conflict isn't bad, right? I think we have this connotation that 
conflict is a, is is this bad thing and it's cussing each other out and all of that. That's not conflict, right. right? Dr. Anita, she gave a beautiful analogy that conflict is two conflicting truths coexisting in the same space. And so, but so there's going to be a conflict somewhere. Either it's going to be external, you're going to have to put on your big girl pants and have this conversation with your friend, your sister, or there's going to be an internal war going on inside of you in your silence and saying, no, I don't want to have the conversation. I don't want her to be mad at me. I don't want her to think I'm all that. There's an internal war going on by yourself and you're suffering and you're going to self-abandon your ex your needs for yourself, trying to appease everyone else. And that's where the people pleasing comes in. I told you I was going, so don't get me off track. And that's another podcast for another day, right? Going into this people pleasing, self-abandoning your needs because you're not wanting to have this external conflict. Um, and so that's where that came from. Meg even got me off track. I don't even know where we were. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yes. Yeah. You're spot on there. <laughs> I, I mean, because if you think about it, you know, that loyalty that we won't let go of, mm-hmm. it may be centered around the ideology of people mm-hmm. pleasing. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been my friend since the first day of second grade. You know, mm-hmm. my mom, my mama, you know, we, we each other's godparents to the children, you know, and, and mm-hmm. so then what happened to the friendship? What happened mm-hmm. to the relationship? Now we just mm-hmm. focus on people pleasing. So now you spot on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but it, it does, it goes into this of being afraid to grieve the relationship. And you kind of alluded into it earlier, having to grieve either the relationship altogether or I have to grieve the old relationship, right? Maybe the relationship isn't going to end, but I do have to grieve what was. I had to agree what we did in high school, the college friendship, even the middle, the early, the middle 20s. I have to agree that. And that is painful, right? Because we we can't just do whatever we wanted to do anymore. You know, I do miss hanging out with you all night. I do miss those old times. Um, Or perhaps this relationship just has has to end because it doesn't serve me well anymore. Maybe I have been communicating my expectations and boundaries and you're not understanding. You're not willing to adjust with me you're not willing to grow with me and so it comes a point in time after you've communicated expectations and boundaries a few times multiple times you know I try to tell people we do have to communicate our expectations and boundaries more than once you know we don't like to it's uncomfortable but we do have to communicate it and reinforce it more than once but if it comes to you know I've said it three four or five times and you're still not getting it Maybe it is coming to a point where this relationship has to end and that is painful. Very. You know, it's no secret that the foothills of the mountains are much wider and broader mm-hmm. than the pinnacle at the peak because everybody that start with you won't end with you. Mm-hmm. And it is a painful truth, but it may, nece- it may be a necessary truth because, you know, some people are momentary. Mm-hmm. Some people are, you know, seasonal, could last a little while, but then some are eternal. And you have to be able to discern and discover as you grow, as your relationships grow, who fits what role. Everybody mm-hmm. can't be eternal. Everybody is not momentary because, you know, sometimes we get this chip on our shoulder and we feel the world is against us. Mm-hmm. Uh, because some people may serve a seasonal purpose that may speak to not just your season but theirs as well and so mm-hmm. but you have to be able to discern who's who and i think that can help along in the grieving process because you know grieving as much as it is 
started by pain, I don't necessarily look at it as a bad thing because it starts you on a path towards a new normal. Mm -hmm. And I also think if we go, like you said, what role did they serve? I think if, I think we've been fed this thing that all relationships are supposed to be for a while, like all relationships are supposed to be long-term or forever. I think if maybe we shift our mindset to this relationship going into it, this relationship may not be forever and praying and trying to be discerning the, what role is this person supposed to serve in my life? Going into it that way to shift our mindset that maybe this isn't going to be a 20 year friendship, but God, why is this person in my life and what purpose are they supposed to serve? And then having the understanding of, we always feel that, you know, this friendship failed because it didn't last 50 years or this relation, even relationship, which is what I try to work on with people like, oh, it was two years. It ended, it failed. Maybe it didn't fail. Maybe it served its purpose. And let's work on what did you learn from it, right? What can we take from this relationship, right, into the next one so that you can be better in the next one, right, that you learned from this relationship that grew you, right? And so not feeling like everything is failed because it didn't last forever. Even if we, even if we take a business perspective, right, you had the business for five years, it ended, maybe it didn't fail, maybe it served a purpose. And so not feeling like everything that doesn't last forever is a failure. I think that is absolutely spot on. Uh, you know, my father, MG Yates, tells me often that everything is a learning opportunity. Mm -hmm. You learn what to do or you learn what not to do. Mm -hmm. And I think when you change your outlook, you can change the outcome. And as you just stated, maybe it didn't work out. Maybe mm -hmm. we did grow apart, et cetera, but it's not a failure. You know, what, what did I take from this that can help me along the way? Because oftentimes when one relationship ends, uh, another one will begin because where death comes, so does birth. And you may take tools you have used in a previous uh, sisterhood to cultivate you as a person that will make you a more viable option uh, to give out reciprocity in the next sisterhood. Absolutely. I love that. This has been a great discussion. Yes, I love it. I'm telling you, I feel like this was a much needed conversation because, again, I just don't feel like we have conversations regarding just relationships in general, being skillful in it and knowing how to do it. Um, but especially when it comes to sisterhood, brotherhood, I think that's going to be an excellent conversation for the next topic. But I think these are I think we are just having really important conversations um, and kind of shaking the table as we both love to do in general. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, saying what everybody's thinking. right? <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> well, you got any uh, closing, closing words you want to share with people? I just want people to know that it's okay to it's okay to desire relationships, right? It's okay to desire romantic relationships. Don't feel like, oh, well, maybe I shouldn't be desiring relationships. Like, no, desire that. Um, but also be intentional about cultivating friendships. Be intentional about cultivating sisterhood, right? I know, again, sometimes society will say, oh, you don't need friends. You don't need girlfriends. Another one that just came to mind is like, girls are catty, right? I hate working in the workplace with all women. And it's like, um, maybe if you're 
30 and still feeling like women are catty, maybe we have to start looking at ourselves and saying, what what happened in me? Not Not anything wrong, right? I don't like the word wrong, but what has happened in me? What's going on internally with me that is causing me to feel this way? And maybe I need to do some self-reflection. Maybe I need to um, perhaps, you know, look into going to therapy, getting coaching, whatever that looks like for you so that I can have real friends, so that I can have sisterhood. I can have that accountability. I can have that covering, that loving relationships, right? And so just being intentional about having friendships, sisterhood, because it serves a purpose, right? Every, all kind of relationships serve a purpose. And so we don't want to, just invest in one type of relationship and, you know, neglect friendship because it serves a purpose. It's there for a reason. Exactly. exactly. I, I, I appreciate you uh, for speaking to something that probably couldn't come from me as a male, but, you know, I think the mentioning of the cattiness of women, mm-hmm. uh, it could hold some truth but it could also be used as a cop out. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, when we make statements like, oh, that's just how they are. Mm-hmm. You know, we speak to the past then. Right. Because even if that's how they are today, it won't be that tomorrow. Right. And, you know, we have the ability and the option to work towards a better. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I won't make the time to talk or critique someone else if I'm not making space to try to help. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I, I appreciate you speaking towards to that that topic. But yeah, it's been a great discussion. Um, love uh, sisterhood gives me a new insight uh, on the superpowers of women. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I love my ladies. <laughs> and don't 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 feel bad, fellas. We're gonna catch you next time. We're gonna talk about brotherhood. We already got some stuff uh, brewing in the mind. You know, we appreciate you as always for joining in uh, with us. Uh, Welcome back again to season two. We'll be talking about relationships all season, and we hope that you get the chance to tune in and check us out. This is Rev. Young Yates, preacher of the gospel, lover of people. Uh, I'm here, and I'm joined by the lovely Miss Cam Nicole. Thank you for joining us. All right. Be blessed. Come see. Bye-bye. Yo, 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 good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are listening, whenever you are listening. This is Rev. Young Yates. Come see real quick. We're coming today to talk to you about brotherhood. I'm here and I'm live and in person, joined by the lovely Miss. Hello, everyone. This is Miss Cam Nicole. We are coming to you. We're coming in hot. Last week, we talked to you guys about sisterhood. Today, we're we're talking about brotherhood. Yep, I'm excited. We're going to talk about a lot of things that guys don't talk about. We'll learn brotherhood and we'll see if some of these things are applicable. And you may just see it with your brothers, with your friends, even ladies, even with your man. You may see some of these things. And sometimes it's deeper than the surface level. And it may have, be, it may have more to it than we may know. So, yeah. Yeah, I think this is really important. Like last week, we talked about sisterhood and how um, sometimes we put so much emphasis on romantic relationships, but we need 
um, these important sisterhood relationships. We need to have that accountability. We need this safe space. Um, and so we can't talk about sisterhood and then not talk about brotherhood because I think um, I think it's easy for women. I think it's easy for us sisters to come together and wrap our arms around each other and, and, and have this warm embrace. But I think, and because we keep it real here at Come See Real Quick, it is difficult for men, but it's in particularly difficult for black men. Um, and so I think this is a very necessary conversation about some of the difficulties that our black men face in developing these relationships and being vulnerable in their brotherhood relationships and just have this important conversation. I think you're spot on, you know, that, that thing that revolves around how it affects black men really speaks to me. You know, we, we're doing this audio for people listening here, but if me, when we speak to another black man, there's this unwritten rule that we don't even say words, just kind of look and give a, a nod of the head. Uh, and that's, that's the form of relationship building that we do, just do the head nod or get the gesture uh, to let us know that we're in the same place. But sometimes uh, it may be a space more needed than just what's unwritten, what the unwritten rule is, or just trying to keep up with the quote-unquote guy code. Sometimes it may be, may be a need to look deeper uh, for the simple fact because, uh, fellas, if we don't do it, who else will? Yeah. I like when you talked about that, saying like these unwritten rules and the guy code. Talk to me a little bit about that. What do you think some of these unwritten rules are within the male community and particularly the, the black male community and why it may be so difficult? That's a good question. I, you know, I think, uh, I think guys in general are regardless of race or ethnicity. I, I think they're, they're just things that are not really said, but it, it becomes a way of communicating. You know, you have a coded language, if you will, and sometimes uh, it's just, oh yeah, we're all thinking the same thing. And we could very well not be thinking the same thing, but if we see uh, our comrades doing it, we may feel inclined uh, to do it as well. And that's part of the unwritten rules that even sometimes comes out in our actions with uh, constant comparisons or, or just living through an untruthful way, you know, because it's, I wouldn't even say it's something of the sort of keeping up with the Joneses just keeping up with yourself. So this ideology that I've made myself to believe that a, a guy should post, supposed to be, or a guy should uh, be. And, and so I followed this code that nobody taught me, but I just kind of caught it somewhere. And, and so I, I think those unwritten rules are just for guys uh, in, in, in general. But you know, in our black culture, uh, I think there are so many unwritten rules because there are different nuances that, I, uh, that creates our situations. Uh, one, one particular is the, the need for masculinity. I, I think that uh, femininity is looked down upon uh, by African-American men for various reasons. And one would argue that it has some correlation with an absent father. But I, 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 I am not so sold on that. Uh, but what I can say is that there are both these things, uh, the need for masculinity and the is the father present or not? I think these are just unwritten things that bond us together uh, in relationships. And is there, is there a name for that kind of bond? Is there a name for a bonding? From unsaid things or just from situations or, 
or different nuances that we both might experience, you know. We never really talked about them, uh, but we that's just kind of what formed this relationship. Yeah, I would probably call that codependency, right? Like we both experienced these similar traumas, um, and now we're bonding over these similar traumas, and because of that, now we're, we've become codependent on one another, right? Like, I need you, you need me, and we're depending on one another to get each other through this similar situation. You know, and that's deep, because I think if a word like that was, <laughs> was said in a room full of guys, that might cause some some, some uproar. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, but, I, but that, that's real deep, uh, because it speaks uh, to the notion uh, of the need for being uh, emotionally available. Uh, codependency, words like... Uh, codependency are, are much more than the I'm angry or I'm mad or I'm glad. It, it's much more than uh, the head nod. You know, a word like codependency speaks to a, a deeper level uh, that goes under the surface, if mm -hmm. you will. And and I and I would surmise, just being a man myself, that there is a need for that amongst Black Americans. Uh, men, uh, specifically here in the United States, it's yet to be the United States because I don't have a better way to say it, just simply uh, we have opposition. Mm -hmm. Now I will say, fellas, ladies, whoever's listening, everybody ain't your opposition and everybody not hating on you. But there are clear uh, known oppositions uh, to the black man. America, so I think there's a need for a bonding. I don't know if codependency uh, is a healthy type or not, but uh, just more than unsaid things or head nods, gestures, or or keeping up our relationship through comparisons. You know, I, I think that plays a big part in it too, because it's like we don't go beyond the surface; we just stay in the shallow water. Yeah, I really like that, going beyond the surface and you pointed out emotions because, you know, if we're talking about, whether we're talking about black men or just men in general, there's like three main emotions, happy, mad, sad, right? Mm -hmm. It's like either I am angry, I am happy, or, and sad is very rarely used. Um, but when we look at the emotional wheel, right, there are a plethora of emotions that we usually do not tap into because whether it's this unwritten rule that you've already kind of forced stated and it talks about or either I have been groomed to not feel these emotions right because we're talking about men today when we think about little boys if they you know fall off of their bike and he may be three years old which is very much still a baby it's you know get up man up be a big boy right and so it's like oh well sadness isn't okay you know I, I need to grow up I need to be a big boy and so men do men do stay on the surface a lot because that is what is socially acceptable. That is what culture accepts. That's what is okay within my relationship because, man, I may have lost my job and I may be very sad about that because this is a career that I have worked for for so long, right? I, ha I went to undergrad and I was pre-med, but I, man, when I took that, the pre-med test, and I don't know what that's called, but when I took the pre-med test, right, I failed it. Now I feel like my entire career is over, but I can't show that in my relationship because now I'm a wimp or, you know, now I, I, I'm not the man that you thought you had and I'm not the leader. And so men find it really difficult to really say, like, I'm depressed or I'm having some resentment or, you know, I feel betrayed, right? Some of these, I feel neglected, right? Maybe 
as a man, maybe if he was abandoned by his mom to really say like, I feel neglected. And he's struggling with some relationship issues with a woman, right? Because I haven't dealt with that mother wound. We talk a lot about the mother wound with a woman or we talk about the father-daughter wound, but very rarely do we talk about this mother wound that some boys have because they had either an unhealthy relationship with their mother or they didn't have one at all. Um, and so I really like that you spoke to men finding it difficult to get in the, the trenches with their emotions versus, yeah, I'm just going to stay right here on the surface. I'm either mad, I'm sad, or I'm happy. And that's all you're going to kind of get from me. Man, that's deep. That's deep. You know, it, it makes me wonder, though. Uh, it, well, it makes me wonder, not though. It just makes me wonder that if because we're constantly on the surface, is that a hindrance to us finding where there is a safe place? Because everybody may not be showing the full them. You know, uh, just what, what, what I hear often, uh, showing their representative, mm -hmm. you know, but not the full them. And, and does that hinder us from deeming, is this guy safe or is this a safe place? Mm -hmm. Or do we just constantly, you know, do you understand? Absolutely. I think that it's very much so men struggle with vulnerability because vulnerability is tied to emotions, right? And so it's hard for me to kind of turn over my heart to someone who I don't know if I can trust you, right? I was listening to another podcast yesterday. I don't know if you've heard of Dr. Darius Daniels and he talks about, he was referencing it in terms of dating, but I think it's really important even within our friendships, right? Like I, I shouldn't build walls around my heart but I should build a fence and it should have a gate, right? Because gates let people in and out. And when I'm letting people in and out, I get to discern who can come in and out of my life, right? Do you, have you earned the, have you earned the right to be in my life? Have you earned that right to, for me to be vulnerable with you, right? And what does that look like? Maybe I start neutral, right? And I'm gonna, when you come into my life, I'm gonna start at a five. And depending on your actions, not your words, but depending on your actions, you're either gonna move down to a one, and I know that you're not someone who has, who has the, the, the capability or the capacity to carry me or to walk through life with me, or you have, right? And you have earned that right to be in my life at that capacity. Right, and so I think we have to build the fence and have a gate and really be discerning of who comes in and out of our lives. But men struggle, right, because of past traumas and because of grooming, it's like, no, I'm just gonna kind of build this wall, right, with pit bulls and rottweilers and everything, and I'm, I'm not gonna let people in and out of my life. I'll just kind of be shut off, right? And I think also because if I trust you and then you weaponize it, right? See, that's why I don't trust people because I, I, I told you something, whether it's in a romantic relationship or not, it's like, now you're throwing it up in my face yeah, yeah, or yeah. you went and told someone else, right? And so it's hard to build that trust with people and be vulnerable with them because I need to know that this is a safe space and you're not gonna weaponize it. You're not gonna go and tell people. And also, are you gonna hold me accountable when I tell you, right? Can you tell me when I'm wrong, your words have weight. And so will you handle my wounds with care, right? Or are you gonna further contribute to my pain and my wounds? There's a lot that goes into being a safe person, right? Like we have to really handle people with care and not further contribute to the wounds that they've already endured. Yeah, yeah, you know, Michael Nichols says this in a lost order list and I, uh, that speaks directly to that. It, it says that you don't really get to the place uh, of empathy and 
unless you are a good listener. Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to listen to it. It goes on to say it can only be achieved by suspending your preoccupation and be willing to exist in their space. Mm-hmm. You know, and so men men do well at listening because nobody's talking, mm-hmm. and so they're gonna listen. Mm-hmm. However, they do bad at it, mm-hmm. which is just what you said, because they're bringing their own traumas mm-hmm. to the situation. So they may hear, but are they actively listening? Mm-hmm. Because they, you know, we cease to take us away from the equation, mm-hmm. you know, and, and it's kind of hard to find a safe place if, if it's almost as if I don't want to be safe. Mm-hmm. God delivered me, but hold on, let me go back one more mm-hmm. time. Yeah. It's the struggle of life. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I like that you said, like, I have to want to be safe. Like, it is hard, and I won't deny that for people, right? It is hard. Um, but we have to take that step into trying to trust someone, right? And not trusting too quickly, like I said. Like, I'm going in neutral. Yeah. And through your actions, I'm going to see where you belong in my life, right? Like, do you belong? I'm, you're not going to become my my best friend or my bro, in two weeks, yeah. right? Like right. right now you're an associate and you're gonna stay there for a while, right? And I also like when you talked about like, I have to listen and suspend my judgment, right? I have to suspend where I am, my preoccupied thoughts about this. And I have to really actively listen to what you're going through because judgment is real, yeah. right? And we have to step out of judgment into curiosity to really understand people's stories, right? I don't really think people really understand and get the full concept of people have real stories like people have been hurt they have been abandoned they've been neglected they have been abused and a lot of times we immediately go to judging people i can't believe he's done this i can't believe he did this i can't believe she's done this and not really sitting down to say i wonder what happened right i wonder why he's so guarded i wonder who broke his heart Right, I wonder what happened. Like this person may have been neglected or abused, but so often we just immediately go to judgment, and then we wonder why people don't want to be around us. We wonder why people won't open up to us, and it's because you're judgy, right? And so we have to really take inventory of our own hearts. Of maybe I'm coming across in a way that people aren't receptive, or they feel that they can't be safe, right? Ask yourself, am I a safe person? Right? Am I a safe person to be around? Am I a safe person for someone to tell me right, the very secrets of their heart, the things that keep them up at night? Am I safe for them to reveal that to me? Yeah, yeah, and, and I think, you know, based off what you just said, it reminds me of the Bible scripture, King Solomon says in Proverbs, you know, for a person to have friends, mm-hmm. they must first show themselves friendly, mm-hmm. you know, and if I'm judging you, so preoccupied with what I think and I have my defense mechanism that guards up. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm never coming to the place with with a clear perspective on friendship. Mm-hmm. I'm coming in with a grain of salt, as we say. Mm-hmm. And so I, I'm questioning everything mm-hmm. because I'm really not showing myself friendly. Mm-hmm. So it becomes a struggle mm-hmm. to make a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and so I, I, I love just what you said when you gave both sides of that scenario where one has to be guarded. On the other, other side, you know, you can't be too guarded, mm-hmm. you know, because because you can struggle, you mm-hmm. know, and and, and I, I think that's key because sometimes, you know, because men do look at vulnerability uh, in, a, in a weird way, 
I think they have to be taught, we have to be taught mm -hmm. that it's a viable option. Mm -hmm. You know, some may say vulnerability is weak or some may say it's too excessive or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But I think when men know that it's a viable option, they'll be more prone to use it as mm -hmm. opposed to coming in hot, mm -hmm. like you say. Mm -hmm. Or as opposed to being too cold. Mm -hmm. You know, just be able to understand that you have something available for you to balance those scales. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think our men, again, not just saying black men, but I think men in general really struggle, again, going back to emotions, but them knowing, like you said, that this is a viable option, right? I can express myself. I can't express myself and I won't be judged. I can't express myself and this is a safe space. Uh, I was reading an article and it says that currently suicide is the third leading cause of death for black men ages 15 to 24. And adult African Americans are 20% more likely to experience depression, right? And so, and because of that, right, I would argue that one of the reasons for that is because we hold everything in, right? Like, I'm, I may be depressed, right? And there's so many contributing factors to depression, but one of the reasons that I may be depressed is because I have no one to talk to, right? Because of the things that I have been through, I have isolated myself. It doesn't feel like a viable option, right? I don't feel like I have anyone to talk to, and because of that, I'm depressed, right? Because of that, I'm so depressed that suicide seems like a possible option, right? That seems like the only way to get relief from my pain. And so I think that we have to start having more conversations and making it okay for men to be vulnerable, making it okay for them to express emotions. And it's gonna have to start within the brotherhood, right? Because as women, we can say that, but it's like, but you're a woman, so it's okay for you to express your emotions because nobody's gonna talk about a woman who's sad, right? Like, yeah, you can do that, it's okay. But if a man expresses these extreme emotions that we would say are extreme, sadness, neglect, abandonment, it's like, no, you need to man up because you have a family to provide for. You need to, you need to get it together and go back to work. And, but if his brothers were to crowd around him, I'm wondering, I'm wondering how that would shift for him, right? Like, what would be different if his brother said, no, we got you. Like, no, it's okay that you feel this way. I would feel that way too. If, if that happened to me, I would feel that way. I got you, bro. I would feel the same way. It's okay that you feel that way, but guess what? We got you. We're going to be here for you. We're going to pray for you. We have whatever you need. I'm wondering how his mentality would shift. And, you know, I think that that is so true, so needed for this, for this season because it goes in step with what we said earlier about knowing the difference between associates and friends because mm -hmm. I've had both of those things happen oh you need to man up mm -hmm. but I've also had brothers crowd around me mm -hmm. too you know but I, I've understood that everybody is not my friend mm -hmm. and basically you don't want everybody to be your friend mm -hmm. because if everyone's your friend and you're pleasing everybody then somebody's dissatisfied mm -hmm. somebody lying somewhere yeah. and, and, and so but I do think a close group of, of brothers is necessary I got on I'm in Texas now, hanging out with close brothers. Got some I was with last week in Florida. Next week, uh, I, I, I probably go to Alabama. You know, those are brothers I know, but I have associates everywhere. Mm -hmm. And though we may have different levels of bonding, and we, I may be able to do for them and they do for me, 
you know, as you stated earlier, it doesn't get to that point till you do something to prove to me mm -hmm. that it needs to get to that point, mm -hmm. you know, and, and so, but knowing it's a viable option, I think it'll, it'll give a level playing field. Mm -hmm. It'll knock out the comparison mm -hmm. or the living through lies. It'll, it'll knock out just the unwritten uh, rules and unsaid words, mm -hmm. but you know, if I'm willing to be vulnerable, I got other brothers willing to be vulnerable, you know, it'll put us at a level playing field because the reality is, you know, it may have something to do with testosterone or male ego. I, I, I'm, I digress there, but it may have something to do with the simple fact that things just need to happen for us to understand, mm -hmm. you know. We foolishly think oftentimes we're placed in situations to bring about change. Mm -hmm. Sometimes the situations are meant to change mm -hmm. us, to grow us, to cultivate us and, and to whatever we need to be uh, and sometimes it's going to come through different avenues uh, but it'll be right there you know where you are best way to hide something is in plain sight mm -hmm. and so no I don't, I don't even after this episode I'll just be honest <laughs> I don't know if I can walk in a room with my brothers not not random men but with my brothers mm -hmm. and just strike up a conversation like hey how you guys feeling today? <laughs> Now, I don't know if I have that level of comfort. However, mm. I want them to know it's a viable mm. option. Mm. And speaking to that, tell me tell me what is the resistance? I like that you asked that question. To say, I, I, like yeah. the, I like that you said, I, I won't be able to walk into the room with my brothers and say, how you feeling today, right? Because you could probably walk into the room and say, how are y'all? How's it going? What's up, bro? Yeah. But you can't say, how am I feeling today? Tell me, tell me what is the resistance in feeling today? It's an unwritten rule. Mm. Unsaid behavior, you know, and part of it is maybe groomed and learned behavior. Mm -hmm. But I'm partly convicted, too, because I understand feelings better now and I'm in the process of understanding. I don't throw that word around loosely, just like I don't throw friends around loosely mm -hmm. because... My connotation of feeling may not be the connotation of my friends who I may colloquially ask, y'all good, bro? But me saying, how are you feeling today? Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's, it's a difference. <laughs> but catch this, on the other end of the spectrum in my paradoxical living, uh, when I really am going to ask them about their feelings, you know what I'm going to say? Tell me. Y'all good, bro? I won't, yeah, but it'll be understood through the unwritten rules. Mm. You know, when, when you got that type of relationship, when you've grown into that place, mm -hmm. it'll be understood that, if I, you know, it's, I can ask the same question mm. and it'll have eight different meanings. Mm -hmm. and, and so, and, and that could be in that same step with that unsaid thing of just not saying certain words. I may not ever say how you are feeling even though if I, if I feel I'm comfortable, I'm never to that level of comfortable, I guess where I won't have that resistance. Mm -hmm. And it could just be, I blame it on testosterone, because that can't be my makeup. Mm -hmm. Can't be a choice I'm making. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it's interesting that you say that it can't be a choice that you're making, right? Because you are choosing the language in which you speak, yeah. right? I'm gonna say the same thing, but it's understood between us that I mean something different. If I walk into the room and say, what's good, bro? But then if I say, you good, bro? Yeah, you yeah, understand yeah. it's a difference, yeah. right? But I'm still choosing, I'm choosing not to say, how you feeling? You all right? 
I guess we're still growing. Mm-hmm. We're we still growing now. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying that I won't. I'm just speaking to my level of comfortability now. Okay. And I probably, the thing is, I could talk to a complete stranger. Same thing for the guy code. And I bond with him for the simple fact that he's willing to seek out a, a greater way or a path that would give empowerment, encouragement, be therapy, or speaking to a, a trained individual in whatever field he has spiritual discipline in. But I, I, I would find the same type of bonding just because I say, oh, here's a, a man who's willing to give the effort. Mm-hmm. And I don't know him from Adam, but I might say, hey, hey, man, how are you feeling? And I mean it, but I think it's a difference, you know, goes back to that learned behavior and that unwritten rule. Because I'm talking to a stranger here, mm-hmm. but I'm talking to people that know me there. Mm-hmm. And I'll ask you this question. Does that, is that true in the statistics of people seeking out therapists? People that are complete strangers versus people that may know somebody that know somebody that know them? Can you clarify your question for me? So when people are seeking therapists mm-hmm. or looking for counselors, do they have a bias against people that may be in, I guess, that run in the same circles? Oh, absolutely. And it's unethical, right? So I wouldn't counsel or therapize anyone that you know personally. Like if you say, oh, go to Cameron, like, because it's too close. I could potentially be biased. They may bring up someone in the session who you know and cut like it so i would say oh well i'm going to refer them to someone else who we have no who you and i would have no uh, interactions with right so because we are objective and it is the idea for us to be completely objective so we don't counsel family friends you know even people i went to high school with like i just wouldn't we keep that completely separate and then so from the from the patient side or the customer or Client. Client. <laughs> From the client, I'm giving her. <laughs> From the client side, do they have the same type of bias, or would they prefer somebody that they knew? Um, I, honestly, I don't think the the client would have that bias because I've had people reach out, um, and so I think they're comfortable either way. Okay. Okay. Well, it's closing time. And we're wrapping up here. Thank you, sir. And, you know, just, I I think that there's a way to do relationship with men that won't excuse masculinity or won't offend feminine. Mm -hmm. It's just who's willing to put forth the effort and trying to master that or trying to learn that, Mm -hmm. you know, because my teacher used to tell me all the time in college, Turned out to be my favorite teacher, you know, mainly because the GPA didn't matter. She said, "I don't, I don't grade uh, assignments. I grade effort." And so it, it was a, it was our cooking class, and, and that spoke volumes to me because she wanted to see who was putting their their heart into it. And most of the time, if my heart ain't in it, my head won't be in it, mm-hmm. and I'm moving this way. Mm-hmm. And so I think it is a way to do it. You know, I, I just think as a collective measure of men, we need to be committed to learning, perfecting, and passing that way out. Yeah, I like that. And I think change is going to start when, as a whole, as a community, because we do mainly talk about the black community, 
being okay with emotions because there are even some black women who emotions become very uncomfortable for them to talk about right so as a community we have to start embracing emotions like emotions aren't a bad thing for us to talk about we're going to have to start embracing that amongst one another right like it's okay for you to say something beyond happy sad glad and then even in our in our daily conversations a lot of times when someone tells me like oh i'm having a good day tell me what that means right and, and a good day isn't an emotion but it's like give me something beyond that. How are you doing? Oh, I'm good. Tell me what that means. What does that look like, right? Because I want you to give me something else that I, that, because I really want to know what, what, what's your heart like? Like, how does your heart feel? Sometimes I ask that. Tell me how, how is your heart, right? And so I think we have to really start embracing emotions as a culture and we have to start being okay being uncomfortable, right? Just because something's uncomfortable for me doesn't mean that it's bad, right? No, like, let this stretch you. I don't want to do that. That's uncomfortable. That's good. It's stretching you, right? Like, I don't, I'm not affectionate. Hmm. I, I can argue that, right? Maybe you haven't been given the opportunity to explore that, right? It doesn't mean that you're not affectionate or you're not lovey-dovey or touchy. Maybe you weren't given the opportunity to explore that side of you growing up and as a child. So now it's like, oh, no, I don't want people touching me. You may find that you like it. So step into the discomfort of finding something and exploring something and feeling really getting in touch with your emotions stop and ask yourself sometimes like man i feel sad today what am i really feeling stop and ask yourself get out a piece of paper and write um and so i know we're having to close today and so i just wanted to end with that like we have to be okay sometimes being uncomfortable because it's stretching you stretching you yes like all right fellas all right ladies all right those of you who have tuned in hope that you have gleaned from this brotherhood session just as you did with sisterhood. Again, it's Reverend Young Yates. And Miss Cam Nicole. Come see real quick. <laughs>